0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. All right, everyone. Well, welcome back to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. I'm with Ashley Carr today of becausewematter.org. Um... Ashley, I'm just gonna kick it over to you. Well, actually I'll give you the backstory of why we're talking. One of your, somebody in your audience reached out to us and said, hey, we'd really like you to have somebody from, because we, because you become, and again, folks, Scott's at the mic, because we matter.org on the show. And and Ashley, you are uh, the person that raised your hand for this. You, why don't you tell our audience kind of the backstory of the organization, and we'll, we'll go from there.
1: Okay, so, um, well, my name is Ashley Carr. I'm actually the executive director of the organization. I've been doing it, actually, since I was 12 years old. Uh, in 1998, uh, Dave, who's actually my father, decided to bring home an alligator one day, and from there, it just started this whole idea. Of, he, we actually, actually started out as an anti-drug and alcohol program. We taught kids how animals stalked and killed their prey and how things like drugs and alcohol were stalking and killing our youth.
0: Okay.
1: Well, after he kind of got into it a little bit more, he realized that predators aren't the villains. They're essential to the ecosystem. So it's kind of giving off the bad, a bad um, vision for the predators of right. nature. And so he switched over to Wildlife Education Conservation, which also opened the audience group to a much younger age. Mm-hmm. So kind of more of the backstory of the organization is um, for 19 years, traveled did school assemblies, school fair, or fairs, and state fairs, and things like that. Um, our family was over $100,000 in debt to keep the organization alive. And we had gone through two bankruptcies to continue caring for animals. Mm -hmm. And something just had to change. Uh, He was getting older and getting ready to retire out. And I don't enjoy traveling. I don't like traveling with animals. I don't like putting them in boxes. I don't like taking them school to school. It's not my thing. I like the rescue side. I like the rehabilitation side. And honestly, out of nowhere, um, an organization called Airbnb started an experience tab and said, would you like to be a part of our experiences? And we said, hmm, "What do we have to lose? Let's give it a shot." And within two weeks, we went number one, Seattle. Two months later, we went number one globally. And wow. six months later, our organization was debt free for the first time in 20 years. Wow.
0: Um, okay. Yeah. That's
1: it cool. was remarkable, and we, um, it was a pretty, pretty big whirlwind. All of our animals started getting six to eight times the size enclosures they were in. We were starting to expand our facility for the first time ever. We had staff that wasn't volunteer based, but actually paid staff. Um, and we were able to start growing to where we could start rescuing more animals that got to stay home in sanctuary. And all of our animals are able to retire out and not travel, which mm-hmm. is beyond ideal because that's, they deserve to not travel. Right. And, um, in June of 2020, when I took over the organization, um, the business model and plan just quickly started to change of what and how we wanted it to look and and go.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing that that the Airbnb literally reversed the course financially. That's amazing. It did. That's amazing. It did. Okay.
1: It did. So and one main reason, you know, like that you were reached out to by our followers is because um there was some they're now requiring us to get special permits. So we've actually had no income and no Airbnb for about 16 months. I've mm-hmm. uh, been completely incomeless to like run an organization that costs over fifty thousand dollars a month to feed animals. And uh, our the plus side of being shut down though is that it opened up like amazing opportunity to grow our community mm-hmm. and people to see the good work that we do and rescue animals and Uh, We've been more involved in social media and trying to build up that platform and going live every day. And we've got to meet some really amazing people along this journey of being shut down, which we wouldn't have had time for being open.
0: Right. So So let let me ask you this question. So this started with an alligator.
1: It started all with an alligator. One alligator. Mm -hmm. So as
0: of today, when we're recording this, how many animals are in your care?
1: We're actually at the least amount of animals that we've had in a very long time. Okay. We're up to about 102.
0: 102. Um, okay.
1: 102. Yep. We have over 52 different species that we care for. Okay. So we have sloths, alligators, birds of prey, bobcats, cougars, um, raccoons, possums, uh, armadillos, reptiles of all different kinds. I actually have five alligators now. <laughs> well, I, saw, I saw a
0: video of an anteater. That ant came
1: eater. from... Yeah. Yeah. I was that like, came from a confiscation uh, in Olympia.
0: In Olympia. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So how do you go about s- obtaining the animals? What's the, it, it's not like you're just, you know, I, I'm joking here. It's not like you're putting it, you know, looking for sloth on Craigslist ad, you know, so how do you, how, where are the animals coming from? And what sort of care does your organization capable of providing?
1: So we don't take in any species that um, we can't provide the best care for. So when we get in an animal, usually we'll get a phone call from um, animal control. I don't know if you heard about that alligator they found in Lakewood, Washington. That- um, (laughs) I
0: think I did hear about that.
1: (laughs) Well, that came to our facility.
0: Okay, okay.
1: So animal control will call us and they'll say, Hey, cause you know, my, I have 24 years of experience working with hundreds of different species and, right. um, they'll call and say, how do we capture this? Or can you come down and help us capture this so that it's done safely? Because it's not something that they work with on a daily basis. This isn't Florida, know?
0: you know, it's not Florida. No, like- yeah. Okay. Exactly.
1: Okay. <laughs> right. It's not common up here. Right. Um, and they'll just call us and say, Can- do you have space? And we'll, we'll take it. And if we don't have space, we are capable of taking something in and holding it to mm-hmm. be able to find another place for it so that euthanization isn't what happens.
0: Right. Right.
1: So we could temper, we have not, but we could like say they got a bear. We do have enclosures that would be suitable for a bear for a two week holding. Right. And then we could give it to like the proper facilities to care for it for the rest of its life. Mm-hmm. Um we tend to stick with the, you know, cougar size and below is kind of where we stick to.
0: I'm gonna So So cougar size and below, okay. Um now you do you have wolves, you have cougars, mm-hmm. raccoons yes i'm pausing to think how i want to phrase this thing are they all i'm going to guess that there's there's intermingling based on compatibility or are they all in their own separate by species environments
1: most of them are in their own separate we do have a few that can intermingle a little bit so one of the main animals that can pretty much be safe anywhere is like a turtle or a tortoise or something like that right so we do have like tortoises in our sloth house because they don't bother each other
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um but as far we don't we don't practice intermixing species okay
0: Okay. well I i didn't even know if that would be a practical thing to do i was just thinking but from a from the outside looking in you must have quite the elaborate setup to accommodate this number. You said 52 species at this time. Um, that's that's quite an elaborate, that's quite a, quite a lot of different species. And so how big is the facility at this time?
1: Our facility is on 10 acres. Okay. Uh, we use probably about five and a half of those acres, or well, six of those acres. And um, we do have different like outbuildings for like our South American animals. They need to be heated all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also have a reptile house that is just strictly reptiles. Um, We try not to intermix anything that if it were to be get out in the enclosure, it could hurt another animal. Mm -hmm. So we try to keep things separate. We have a bird quarantine trailer that houses all of the macaws and cockatoos that we got in on neglect cases.
0: Oh, wow. Um, Okay.
1: So, and then we have acre runs and day runs for our wolf dogs. Cause wolves are actually our conservation side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want wolves to be put back out in nature where they really belong. Okay. Um, so we are able to, if a Yellowstone recalls and say, Hey, we need a litter of puppies. We would be able to provide that for them with our animals. Wow. Um, but we don't breed for private ownership or anything like that. It's only for accredited facilities that would be able to do a reintroduction program.
0: Okay. but
1: everything else out there is rescue.
0: All right. So currently you're not open to the public currently. No. And how many, how many people does it take to run the organization without the public facing side?
1: Comfortably seven. Okay. Right now we have three.
0: Okay. So um, double duty, if you will. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. 60 to 80 hour work weeks right now.
0: Oof. Okay. Um, As I was preparing for this literally just moments before we, you know, flipped the switch live, um, I saw a video, I think it was on your on your Facebook page, or, and I'm gonna try to flip over to that right now and kind of try to read from it to not totally butcher it. <laughs> See if I can find it now, I think I scrolled. No, I, this is something, This is, so this is something I, I, th- I thought was very fascinating. And, and, and you write on Facebook, you write, a wolf can easily snap through bones. Um, They're such incredible creatures. A human's bite force is only about 120 pounds per square inch and a large domestic dogs is about 320 pounds per square inch. Now I have a large domestic dog and it feels like more than that. Just, just out of, you know, just, just gotta say, but then you're right. But the, the bite force of a wolf is almost 400 pounds of pressure per square inch. And I'm watching this video of a wolf making coleslaw out of a cabbage. I mean, (laughs) he he was just, just very efficient. Mm -hmm. What? let's let's talk about the wolves for a second so what 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 are they being fed i mean i don't think of cabbage as uh it was a a little funny when i saw cabbage i just wouldn't have thought of that so what what is a diet for for an animal
1: so we go through six thousand pounds of meat a month for our animals okay and we go through about 1200 pounds of produce um wolves mainly eat mainly eat meat so they'll eat about two and a half to five pounds a day per wolf uh our cougars eat anywhere from about two and a half to three pounds a day and our bobcat has one to two pounds a day and then we have like our raccoons and all that stuff that you know i mean on average with all the small mammals combined it's probably about 10 to 12 pounds of meat for them also Um, So the reason we do cabbage is because, well, one, it won't hurt them, but it's good enrichment. So we actually have an organization, the Chef store here in Burlington. They Mm -hmm. actually will donate produce that can't go to Feeding America. Okay. And so when we get like a big box of cabbage uh, and we're not going to be able to utilize it all, we give it to our wolves for enrichment so that they can just have some fun and make a mess and play for a little bit.
0: Make coleslaw. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. And
1: then we get to clean it up the next day. Okay. But wolves will eat like salmon berries and, and things like that. But that's, that's occasional. That's not something that's not their main source. Of
0: okay. Food. All right. I'm on your, I've never seen, oh my gosh. So I'm on your Facebook page right now and I am <laughs> watching, I think it's you because, but somebody's giving a skunk a bath.
1: That's me. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. First off, I never think of skunks as cute, and this thing looks ador- <laughs> this thing looks adorable in, in the in the tub, and it looks like it's actually having. I can't tell if it's terrified or having the time of its life. It looks like both, actually. Um. Why? No, see, I'm I'm nervous. I would be nervous around a skunk, and or you know, I'd frankly be nervous around all of these animals, and so. But why isn't this skunk spraying you? What's going so, on here?
1: So the skunk's been descended.
0: Okay. It, okay. It's a
1: super simple procedure. I do have a skunk out there that's still what we call hot. So he okay. still can spray. Okay. Uh, he His name's Cargo, but he's a hooded skunk from El Salvador. Uh, he jumped on a military plane and flew over to El Salvador or from El Salvador to the military would-be Island Naval Station here. And they called us and asked us to come get him. And he hasn't been able to have the procedure done yet. Um. It's super simple it's in and out it's like neutering a dog so that's one reason but okay. scums are actually very I mean almost like a cat or a dog to a certain extent well this one uh, they, looks this
0: one looks like it's having a great time yeah I mean <laughs> yeah. I mean it really does and, and and okay so okay now you got a, an alligator. Sorry, this is how this episode's going to go, folks. I'm going to be scrolling through Facebook and making comments on a- on animals. I'm so I could go in so many different directions here. What's that? D- <laughs> Sorry. It's, there's some green like it looked like an iguana or something. I'm not sure. Yep. That's not... okay. the iguana. Okay. The green eye? Yeah, it was yeah, super bright. I was like, "Whoa, it almost looked like somebody photoshopped it." Um how so this is something you've done since you were a kid.
1: I was 12 years old.
0: 12 mm-hmm. years old. So I joke with people sometimes when, I, when I'm talking to them about, you know, is this what, you know, when we're little kids playing in the backyard, is this, is this, could you imagine yourself doing this? But if you got involved in this at 12, you were a little kid, maybe just past playing in the backyard type thing. But you, you've been doing this your entire life.
1: Yeah. I've, I've been working with animals since I was born. Um, I actually had a pet skunk when it was legal in Washington to have them. So I had exotic animals pretty much my entire life.
0: Put you on so the spot. Not, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you could properly obtained. Okay. So by good methods, mm-hmm. what would be the exotic animal that you would love to have? Is there, is there something that you think would be a great exotic animal to have?
1: uh, for the common, common person, (laughs) for you, for you. Oh, for me, for you. Um, not, not really. Um, I, I mean, I would say whatever I could get that my kids could work with. I I have two kids that have been working with exotic animals since they were born. Okay. Um, and I think that, you know, you kind of have to think logically about it. I mean, like Mm -hmm. if I were to like personally work with something, I would love to be able to work with like some more big cats. I may be working with big cats since I was 12, but um, I love cheetahs. I would, I would love to be able to work with the cheetah. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have the space for one, but cheetahs actually act like dogs. Mm. So they're, they're pretty remarkable. They, and usually they, in the uh, captivity, they'll actually give a cheetah a dog as a friend. Really? (laughs) Yeah. To intermingle with and grow up with and have a friend. Okay. So but I've, uh, you know, I've worked with so many animals over my life that um, it's really weird. I've I've actually ruined the zoo experience for my kids. So <laughs> when we go to the zoo, they're just like, "And yeah. <laughs> anyway, I've worked we, with that since I was 18 months old." Yeah,
0: so. they're like, "Got one, got one, yep, got one." <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, what do you think your kids would want?
1: Uh, my kids really enjoy working with uh, possums. And skunks and raccoons and the smaller mammals, the things that they can feel like they have a little bit more control over when they're younger. Okay. Um, you know, cause the reality is is my kids have to learn from a very young age that all animals bite, you know, mm-hmm. even cats and dogs and et cetera like that. So, um, but their, their favorite, I would say my, their favorite rescues are possums cause we okay. get quite a few possums.
0: Okay. All right. One of the other reasons that you're, someone in your audience reached out to us was that your organization is kind of in a crisis.
1: We are, we are. Uh, we yeah, just there's been um, kind of one hit after another. Um, being shut down and incomeless for 16 months has been huge. Um, with no, there's really unfortunately no um, set date of when these permits could come through. Mm-hmm. So it could be, another two years before we get them. And we've been using our reserve. We actually had a plan. We were going to be doing $2 million of renovations over the next five years with Airbnb tours. Mm -hmm. And we were going to be expanding all the enclosures and everything. And we were super, super excited. And luckily we had saved up a bit to start that process. And that's kind of what's been getting us through until January. Um, And then, since January till now, it's honestly just been our following that has mm-hmm. been keeping us alive right now. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of at the that, like, last, like, month or so that if we don't figure some way to survive, we're not going to be able to be here anymore. And that unfortunately means, you know, 60 to 80% of our animals possibly getting euthanized. hmm which has just been a keep you up at night kind of um, yeah, that's, feeling.
0: That's gut wrenching. That's, that's yeah. just
1: not, okay. So we've been working really hard to kind of spread our message and just to say, we're an asset here and we're needing our community to come together and, um, and, and help if they can. We actually are working on moving to a different County in Washington state because we love Washington. Um, and we would not have to be going through all of this. We would actually be able to be open within like five to six months Mm -hmm. after getting all the animals moved. And we would be back up and running with Airbnb and all of our programs that we were gonna be starting, we did a make wish Foundation, we have a military uh, PTSD program that we offer for free, Uh, would all be able to start up again. And we've been getting into schools virtually, so we'd be able to offer those virtual programs for free again, which would be amazing. Cause mm-hmm. I don't think education should cost the teachers money to do something really cool for their kids. Right. And oh. so we're, we'd like to get back to that point and we can, if we move, uh, okay. I don't think staying in Skagit County is going to unfortunately be something that's going to be possible for the organization.
0: So okay. what, what can the public, if they're not already helping, what can the public do to help? What, obviously i mean the simple answer is money but in addition (laughs) what else what else can people do if they 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 can contribute what they can but what else can they do what else can people do for you
1: i think the biggest thing is just following us following our story being a part of what we do um you know watching through our videos i mean it actually helps i mean um stuff on facebook things watching our lives all of that contributes towards the business. Now we don't, you know, we're not a huge YouTube thing. We're trying to get to the place where we're monetized on YouTube and doing educational things through there. Um, But we have several, we have Patreon. We just started a Patreon. And um, what that is, is it's a platform that we're able to take exclusive content and provide it to our patrons. And we do special lives for them. They get artwork from our animals, things like that, that depending on what tier they choose, that's a huge, huge way. Because I don't think people realize that, you know, oh, you know, $5 or $10 a month, that's not, doesn't do much. But the reality is, is it really adds up Mm -hmm. Um, and it really helps us. So Patreon has been huge for us. And then we have... But watching our videos, voting, we have some voting stuff for grants. And all of this can be found in the links in our bios of all of our platforms.
0: And we'll put we'll put links in the show notes too, so people can can people can find that too. So
1: Awesome. Thank you. Sure. And we have like an Etsy store and we have all that stuff that we we're kind of stretching ourselves into tapping into every little avenue to see which one kind of takes off. And then we'll mm-hmm. can really focus on that. But Patreon's been one of our biggest our biggest things that we've done. And we get, we do behind the scenes. Like we take you and walk you through the behind, behind the scenes of everything. Like yesterday I went live for six hours wow. and um, yeah. And it literally was just people seeing what we do in a day, feeding wolves, feeding all the small mammals, cleaning their enclosures, uh, watering, um, moving animals around, dealing with the stuff that comes up in the day. Um, it So it's, and our we, we've had a really good response from it. So it's yeah.
0: been really, it's been
1: really fun.
0: That's okay to be able to do that. So I, I have a question about the animals. So mm-hmm. you you're, you're, the animals are being brought in through various channels. Animal control, the um, stowaway skunk. I mean, that's just <laughs> sorry, That's kind of, that's actually kind of funny. How, how on earth? I mean, think about that for a second. It jumped on a military plane. How on earth did? I don't know. That's just we probably don't want to know. Anyway, how? these are wild animals, but I see you interacting with them. They, they seem domesticated and I don't think that's accurate, but how long does it take for an animal when they arrive? And, you know, it's a broad question. So I understand, but like, how long does it take for an animal when they arrive to realize that they're in a, an environment that's safe for them and that they're not at risk, if you will.
1: It all, de- it, like you said, it all depends on the circumstances I've had. Um, Animals that I've gotten from neglect cases at the moment, I take them out of their enclosure, like birds or things and bring them into sunlight for the first time in 15 years. It's an immediate bond, right? you know, like it's, uh, I just like with our Macaw best intentions, but, um, was kept in a nicotine filled house, unfortunately had no sunlight was, was not let out of its enclosure for 15 years. Oh, wow. So the moment we were able to you know, grab her and put her in our acrylic cages, when we took her outside, it was like, she looked at us and was like, thank you.
0: Where's my sunglasses? It was,
1: yeah, it, well, yeah sunglasses? exactly. It, but it was immediate and she took her first shower. She had her first fresh fruit and vegetables and she was just thrilled. Then I've had animals that have come in from, um, you know, good homes, actually, And uh, laws, mm-hmm. regulations change and mm-hmm. they're forced to get rid of their animal. And you can go through a three to four month thing of depression, like with a Bobcat or something, cause they miss their owner and they miss who they're, they miss their normal, their regular. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my whole theory, my entire, I don't rush anything. Mm-hmm. If it takes me, 10 years to get an animal's trust it just it takes me 10 years and sometimes it never comes and and that's okay so it's just it's literally our staff and our motto is just respect the animal know who they are and learning their personalities and their dispositions um it it's okay because they are like you said they're not domesticated some are tame some are still you know like our raccoons and stuff. I'm not going to snuggle any of our raccoons <laughs> out at our compound, um, but I can go in there and they'll touch my leg or they'll grab something out of my hand or something like that. But they don't like to be scratched and snuggled and pet and that's okay. We just that, respect
0: it. That's interesting. I would have, you know, cause they're so cute looking. social. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're so cute looking and you would think, you know, they look cute. They would like this, but I guess not. Okay.
1: Some oh. do. Okay. Ours do not.
0: Yours do not. Okay. <laughs> Yours are... But how about that skunk though? Is is that skunk quite friendly when they're not giving no, about? No.
1: So he has his moments. He has okay. his moods. Um, <laughs> yes. he he does. He's very moody, just like our anteater. You kind of know your time that it's okay and it's not. Most skunks are if they're raised with people, are fantastic okay i mean we kind of actually they're pretty actually legal in a lot of different states just not here in washington okay um but people own that like they're litter box trainable they get along with cats and dogs and i mean they're very social huh. little guys um od because we don't overhandle any of our animals i would say mm-hmm. um he has his moments and he's kind of becoming a grumpy old man. He was better about two years ago, but now he's hitting about six and a half, seven years old, which they only live about two to three in the wild.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So he's just kind of grumpy. Um, We actually thought he was going to um pass away. He he got pretty ill and I, I brought him home with me and I, you know, did all the things I had to do under the skin fluids and all that stuff. And I, uh, he popped right back and ever since then he's kind of been a little bit more feisty (laughs) but he's great all right so
0: i'm scrolling down your facebook feed Uh, this is comical there's a raccoon in a circular swing Mm Mm-hmm. just chilling
1: yeah laying on his
0: laying on the back just grooming himself herself just
1: yeah he's relaxing from his earlier parkour uh moments
0: yeah just just this is comical just stretching oh <laughs> just stretching out having a good time just that's comical they just look like they would be you know a a, a fun animal to have around if you will but i take I, I believe you you know they probably yeah probably not not
1: yeah so we, we really educate people of like why they shouldn't own exotic animals, right? Um, and we also educate them on um, the the truth of the responsibility of even having those kind of animals. I kind yeah. of have learned in my in my career that um, the wow factor only lasts for so long mm-hmm. for people. You know, it's it's that honeymoon stage, and then the reality of how much work and effort, and even criticism and backlash that you can get from people for owning them um can be detrimental to the animal and then we kind of also teach people to not feed their wildlife right you know so um because raccoons can become very acclimated to human if -hmm. you're feeding them on your back porch and things like that and then if they walk up to a kid or a mom who doesn't know they can be deemed nuisance and then government authorities will come in and actually take them out so that they're not a nuisance in a neighborhood.
0: Right. Where, where we live in Wenatchee, there's a, a mule deer. I don't know what the right word is, but there's a documented area for mule deer to be safe um, here Mm -hmm. in in our Canyon. And so during the winter it's, and we have an acre parcel. So, the most I counted on our parcel at one time was 50 Mm. and um, to get help and get them through the winter. My, my neighbor and I, well, we kind of, we have some, some food that we've put out for them. My neighbor will go to the grocery store and get, get produce for them and things like that. But my mother lives with us and she's got a slider door out to the the patio on the, on the lower level. And they literally come up to the, the, well, this year we put a fence around the backyard because of our dog. So they, they, we, didn't get them to the yard like this, but they would literally come up to the slider door and like wait to be fed almost. But then they leave. I mean, it's 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 kind of this thing. They they're here for the winter and then off, you know springtime comes and off they go. And kind of helping them get through a, a roof because we get like three feet of snow here and it's it's right inhospitable. Um, anyway, but yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't like certainly wouldn't want to keep feeding raccoons or we have a skunk that likes to come around our neighborhood, which drives our neighbors' animals crazy and. Um, <laughs> we have my, na- my next door neighbor has alpaca and, uh, and so, you know, we've got, we've got our own little, uh, quirky little neighborhood, if you will, of animals, but what else? So if you, if you're able to successfully move, would you then, uh, would this be an ex- the ability to expand as well and, and take care of more animals?
1: Yes. Yeah, okay. so we actually are looking at a turnkey ready property on 20 acres. Okay. That actually has all the outbuildings and everything that we would need on it. That's superior to what we already have. Um and we would be able it would open our operations to such an extreme. We would be able to be more available right now to um a fish and wildlife, animal control, now our whole mission is you know we don't want to have to have animals come in because that means something's bad has happened right mm-hmm. to to that animal usually right um but we would love to be able to be an outlet and prepared to be able to do that because like for example when we got one confiscation you don't normally just get one or two things like that's not normally how it works okay you'll you'll get like hoarding situations oh so you'll get seven sloths and a giant anteater and hairy armadillos and a plethora of reptiles it's not it's not usually little it's sometimes right. like we just did a confiscation of 10 birds and before that we did 12 you right. know so it's just we want to be able to be a resource that the community can utilize um, to be able to keep animals safe And often we're confused with the rehabilitation clinic, which we are not anything that comes into our compound has to stay at our compound or be transferred to another sanctuary. Okay. Because they legally cannot be re-released. Okay. We want animals out in nature, but there are times where they cannot be put back out. Okay. So we would be able to, I we would we would be if we got back open and running again, we'd easily be able to have a staff of 10 to 12 people. And we would be able to accommodate probably depending on size of animals and species, anywhere from 50 to a hundred extra animals at one time.
0: Okay. That would be a significant uh, enlargement of the, of, of your facilities. I mean,
1: okay. yeah, okay, it would be.
0: All right. Well, to keep with the theme of the show, because we haven't kept with my normal theme, which is just fine, actually. But but to let's just to keep it to the normal theme of the show. And, and you're going to probably laugh at a couple of these questions because of the amount of hours you work, but humor me, okay? Okay. <laughs> um, I always ask my guests, where's a great place to get coffee near them? Got any recommendations for me?
1: In Anacortis, there is... You can't go wrong at any oh. of the coffee shops you go here. Penguin Coffee is amazing. Strawberry Bay. Uh, they all... Dietrich, every coffee shop that I go to, and I don't really stick to one regularly. I tend to bounce around so that there's... I always like to try new things. I I love coffee. So. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I would, you know, my coffee place of choice, though is usually about Penguin Coffee or penguin. Strawberry Bay.
0: Okay. And what's your coffee drink of choice? What's your go-to coffee drink?
1: Honestly, I'm pretty simplistic. I am an Americano with Cream and Whip. That is...
0: Uh, that's not simplistic. That's got three ingredients. I mean, come on. That's not simplistic. I won't, I, I won't let you call it that simplistic. Uh, that's not, not crazy, but it's not simplistic. Okay. Um, I
1: do like an extra shot.
0: Okay. Uh, as, as you should. When you're not working 60 or 80 hours, what do you and the family like to do for fun? I don't
1: really have a life outside of this right now okay to to be quite honest okay um this has been life for 24 years okay so um we we try you know we're we're such a beautiful community right or a beautiful place that Mm -hmm. hiking or just going for a walk I have five dogs myself here at my house um and the the beauty here in Anacortes is just anywhere you go the beaches or that Mount Erie or anywhere like that, that's probably our one thing where it's just like getting back out in nature and just kind of taking a breath away from technology and all the emails and all of that. So, and we, I usually can't go too far away from home like Washington because I have to be available at the drop of a hat to go do something or a rescue or something like that. So, um, but my kids really do enjoy going on rescues. So okay. They're, they're, um, they, they actually get to come work with me all summer and they're stoked.
0: <laughs> wow. So, so how, how young were your kids when you took them on their first rescue?
1: Uh, my daughter actually just did her very first rescue all by herself at seven years old.
0: Wait a second. All, what do you mean all by yourself? I mean she drove the car? No. I mean,
1: well, she did, she did the paper, she did the paperwork okay. and she did, um, she had the lady sign it and all this stuff. It was very simplistic. It was just, it was, I don't normally rescue domesticated, but we got a rabbit that was unfortunately being kept in about six months of feces. And it was heartbreaking. The lady goes, can I just send you a photo real quick and see if you'll come just get him? Cause all the other sanctuaries are full that do this stuff. And I said, okay, fine. So she sent me the photo. I'm like, we'll be there in 30 minutes. Oh. So like one of the most important things I teach my kids is that when we go on a rescue, we don't judge the people mm-hmm. that we're rescuing from because they're doing what's best for the animal in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters. Right. And so she went, she knocked on the door. She um, handed her the paperwork, asked her to fill it out. And she said, you know, thank you for, for turning him over. I'll take really good care of him. And if you ever want pictures of him, let me know. And she she handled the the whole thing, which was just really cool to watch Mm -hmm. um and then my son's been um has raised wolf dogs since he was about 18 months old um and he that's kind of his thing and he loves taking care of things like when we go rescue possums or anything like that he loves the um making things better side of it
0: okay
1: so but yes it's it's really cool to to watch them get into it and (laughs) learn to be loving people
0: that's awesome. I, I mean, at seven, she could be selling Girl Scout cookies in front of a Walmart, but no, she's out. Uh, <laughs> she's out rescuing rabbits. That's, that's quite the story. Okay. I, I, I have two last things I'm going to ask for you and I'll let, cause I know you've got a lot going on today. So I'm going to reverse my normal order. So play along, please. All right. Mm-hmm. So this is a very important question and it has nothing to do with anything. We just talked about cake or pie and why?
1: Oh, that, that's a heart. Well, I don't like either. Wow, so, you're the first person to ask. I, wow. I know I'm not a big fan. I mean, I would definitely choose pie over cake. Um, okay. I cake is usually too sweet for me.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and I'm kind of a cake snob because my aunt actually makes cakes professionally. And I have yet to meet a cake that can meet hers.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's that's all. Those are all fair answers, but wow, just okay. All right, all right.
1: Yeah. All right, but I would choose cheesecake over or she You know, a pie over.
0: You would choose pie. Okay, so what type of pie?
1: Um, that's a probably. I would say pumpkin is my go-to.
0: Okay.
1: I do like pumpkin pie. Okay. Right. but I only like it once a year and then I'm, I'm good for a and then,
0: while. And then you're good for a while. Okay. All right. All right. So the last, the last question is kind of the cheat card here. So I was like, what didn't I ask you that I should have asked you during our conversation? Oh goodness. I don't,
1: Hmm. That is a challenging question.
0: It wasn't meant to be challenging. It's, it's kind of the, it's kind of the, it's kind of the catch all for Scott. Cause if I overlook something, then I can go, Hey, here you go. Here's your shot. But so, I mean,
1: Yeah, no, I would.
0: Well, uh, do do this for me. Do this for me. Hmm. Let everybody know where they can find out more about you. Point them, tell them where to go.
1: So the best place that you can go is actually our Popple account, which is um, my digital business card, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's just PoppleMe, P-O-P-L-M-E dot C-O forward slash B-W-M because we matter. Um, and that has everything that has our all of our handles it has um our etsy stores when we have art auctions we have that comes up quite frequently we have artists that will donate some beautiful pieces of artwork to our facility to auction off for to raise money for the animals Mm -hmm. um so we have that opportunity on there um and we have uh what else we have on there we have all of our like all of our websites, all of my phone numbers, emails, anyway anyone wants to get in contact with me um, is on that sheet. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing though is just that if people could just start kind of following our story and see kind of how transparent we are, we kind of pride ourselves on transparency um, when it comes to the exotic animal world because you don't find much of that anymore. Okay. So
0: Well, I will uh, put a link to your card in the, in the show notes so that people can just go there and go where they need to go. And then we will um, uh, keep doing our part in help sharing your, your content out to our audience as well. And I really hope that people that are listening to this will, will take the time and, and go, go find out more about what you're doing and help out in any way that they can.
1: We, we really, really appreciate it. That, that is what we're learning is that it takes an army. It takes a community of people to make things like a nonprofit work. So, and I hope that we can show the audience really great things. And we hope that we can be a number one place for people in Washington to come again and have a really amazing experience and meet some really cool animals and learn a lot about them. So
0: okay. we, well, we will get there. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today.
1: No, thank you for having us. We really
0: appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at Explore State. I'd love to hear your comments. You can also visit our website at explorewashingtonstate.com. If you know anyone who'd like the show, it'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. Glad you were here with me today, and I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.